Welcome back to Ambition and Grit with Dave Linegar. In today's episode, Dave discusses how to overcome the challenges of hiring and retaining employees during the current labor shortage. Hiring people can be a difficult process for employers of any size. Over the past 50 years, Remax has been able to hire and retain top talent despite changing economic conditions. Let's tune in to discover how to build a strong team. You know, I think one of the major problems that employers have in today's market is keeping and retaining their employees. Part of it is a younger generation that uh, really weren't like the baby bloomers of stating, well, I'm going to go to work for 30 years for the same company and retire. They want different adventures, different challenges, and so on. But even there, retention is an incredible, difficult task. Plus, turnover is very expensive. The costs that you lose from losing a well-trained, competent individual and starting over again with somebody that has to learn the ropes is entirely different. Keeping employees engaged and satisfied with their jobs isn't easy. But retaining employees is essential for any business because it reduces the cost and time involved in recruiting and training new staff. Remax's ability to retain many top executives for decades was truly remarkable. I think that retention starts with the hiring process. If you look at the staff that works at a typical Holiday Inn or Marriott, interestingly enough, at Four Seasons and Ritz-Carlton, their pay scale is the same as the Holiday Inn or Marriott. And what they do do is they'll recruit 30, 40 people and take one. They don't try to, to teach customer service. They don't try to teach the attitudes. You can't. Either a person is service-oriented and is gung-ho to help somebody. It, it's just forcing it if you say, let me teach you how to smile. And so you can divide your employees into three groups, A's, B's, and C's. I don't care if it's your senior officers or if it's your administrative staff. They, they can all be divided into A, B's, and C's. A's are awesome. And A's do not cost you money. They make you money. And so if you overpay to get an A, they're going to more than earn their living and give you profits. About 10% of the people you can find really are A's. Then you get to your B's. And B's are fairly engaged. They may be pigeonholed where they're at. They kind of look at the job as being a eight to five job and really not anxious to come in and work overtime or whatever. That might make up 20 or 30% of your people. The balance of your people are C's and they are not engaged. They're either doing the wrong work, which is not interesting to them, or they're slackers that I want a paycheck and I'm going to do as little as I have to, to keep from being fired. And that's the nature of the beast. You know, not everybody is self-motivated. Not everybody is a risk taker. Not everybody has the grit and the determination to make something work. There's a lot of them that are just there. That's where you need your turnover and you're going to have your turnover. It is impossible to take a C type of person and make them into an A. By the time you've got them, 
They've already had 20 years of growing up and being around other people who have affected them and given them the personality they're going to be. Most employers want to have as many high-achieving employees as possible. As Dave describes them, level A employees are worth overpaying to hire because of the value they provide. So how do you build a team of superstars? It goes back to who you hire. You can't make uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. And if you start with the wrong ingredients, it's never going to work. One of the things that uh, I would be quite concerned about is where else have they worked? How long did they work there? How many jobs did they have? Was it a continual progression? Looking at the resume, it looks like they got here and then they got promoted and they went here and got promoted and went here. Okay, you may be a stepping stone, but you may have an A player for two or three years. By the same token, if it's 90 days here and 180 days there, and that's a troubling sign. The other thing that you should ask in an interview when you're interviewing somebody, tell me about the last place you worked. It's on your resume, it's XYZ company. What do you like best about that company? What was really cool about it? What did you dislike the most? What would you have changed if you could have changed? Would you have stayed with that company? And you'll start seeing patterns. And you can say, what about this other company? How'd you like working there? And if the pattern comes down to, I had a lousy boss. She didn't know what she was doing. She micromanaged everything I did. And that's repeated every 90 to 180 days. You're not going to make them happy either. Employers today know that diversity and inclusion are critical aspects of a healthy and successful workplace. A diverse workforce can bring a range of perspectives, experiences, and skills to a company. It starts with the hiring process, but the company culture helps set the tone. There's a lot of talk about diversity, and obviously we're becoming a very diverse country. But even more important than diversity is inclusion. And so you can have people of different religions or different races or whatever. And so you've met a quota of some kind that says, oh yeah, we got 20% Hispanic and 10% black and all this. It's nonsense. The person that's hired doesn't want to be part of a quota. They want included in the business. And so four white guys go to lunch together every day and the one Hispanic in the same department never gets invited. Well, it's, well, I'm different. My skin color is different. And Either you're on the team or you're not on the team. And it's up to the team leader to convince all team members everybody's valuable. The more valued team members feel, the more likely they are to report being satisfied with their jobs. Their overall happiness is what leads to retention, and in today's labor market is extremely valuable. Dave shares some ways you can understand and improve your employee engagement. There are a dozen questions you can sit and ask an employee and you can, I can predict to you whether they're going to be with you in three to six months. The first question is, do you have a best friend at work? People in this day where they feel loved and appreciated and somebody that co-commiserates with them and that they like to work with. And so when you see somebody you know, there are wallflowers, there are introverts, but even introverts have friends. 
And so having a, a key friend is very important. The second question is, has anybody complimented you in the last week on what a fabulous employee you are or something that you've accomplished in this week? And if you get a no from that person, that means we go back to the opening session. It means they're not being appreciated and they're not being given the, the personal attention that they need. The leadership team of any company must be turned into the thoughts and feelings of all team members because each individual employee may be motivated by something different. I used to think at Remax, everybody should make $100,000 a year. And that was 40 years ago. And we had people making 150 and we had people making 50. And I, I kept thinking, how do I motivate these slow guys to step up the pump? And as I aged and matured, I found out some people are just happy making 40 or 50,000 a year. Uh, especially a lot of people that made 100,000 in their 30s and 40s, they don't want to work Saturdays and Sundays and evenings anymore. And they're more than happy as they get closer to retirement age to spend their life differently than what they've done. And so the hard charging lifestyle and all the excitement of getting the trophy of the year and stuff ceases to be meaningful to them. The real responsibility of a leader is not to motivate people. People motivate themselves in some fashion. The responsibility of a leader is to create an environment where each employee can achieve the level of success they want to achieve. And so it's not fair to ask a $50,000 a year real estate agent that's 60 years old, you ought to be making $100,000 a year. That is the level they wanted to get to. And maybe they got social security, some savings, two or three rental houses, and they just want a better lifestyle. And so create an environment where people can live up to their own personal motivation. It is not to motivate them. As the leader, Dave discovered that his job was to create opportunities. It was up to his employees to pursue their own dreams. Many times, leaders assume the only factor in recruiting and retaining top talent is to offer competitive pay. But that is often not valued as highly as you think. Pay is important because people have to make a living. But uh, survey after survey shows pay is about the fifth or sixth thing on the, on the list when they talk about where they want to work. People, especially the millennials, want challenging work. They want work that is important to the community. They're probably far more involved with the charitable issues, even though they're too young to be big philanthropists, they're concerned about their fellow people. Most people want to be an integral part of a team. We hired a Navy SEAL to be a real estate agent in one of our offices. And uh, when he quit, I went to him and I said, can you explain to me, you're so talented and your background is fabulous. Why are you quitting? He says, I've trained my entire life to be on a team. I'm on a SEAL team. There are 10 of us. We live together, we die together, we fly together and we take our leaves together. And when we're going into action, 
it isn't a general says, go do this. You know, we get together as a team of 10 and we brainstorm and talk through every inch of the, the attack plan of how we're going to accomplish our goal and how we're going to get back out. And then afterwards, over beers or whatever, we have a debrief session. And in that debrief session, the rule is you can be critical, but don't criticize. And so if you want to mention, when we entered that room, you walked straight across in front of me and I had my rifle covering you. And if I had squeezed the trigger, I would have killed my friend. And then the person would say, I know, I know I screwed up when I did it. Thanks for pointing that out. We all want to be safe. In other words, he felt selling the house as an independent agent. He was by himself. He did not look at the Remax office as being his team that he lived and died with. When people feel like they belong to a team, they are motivated to work hard. Similarly, when they feel isolated, rejected, or unappreciated, they lose enthusiasm for their work. Part of building a strong team is knowing how to create a healthy culture. Everybody blossoms under appreciation. Everybody blossoms by being told they did a great job. So I had a senior officer one time that was going to stand up and give a presentation to about 300 people. <laughs> I said, whatever you do, don't screw up. Three of us have been president of this company and this position you're in. And she was shell-shocked. She stumbled and fumbled and ran and hid in the women's room. And I realized that I set the wrong scene. And I said, let's work on your next presentation. And the next time I had a presentation, before she made the presentation, I sat down and I said, you know, the whole team is pulling for you. You got this one down. This is going to be a remarkable success for you. And we're all going to be there to applaud. Beamed, smile, walked out, knocked out of the park, and standing ovation, and it shows. Appreciation and response and true, true gratitude for what they do is much more gratifying than a complaint. Remax grew rapidly in the first 20 years of business. Dave and his leadership team had to adapt quickly to support the weight of the business. But over time, Dave noticed that some of his original team members weren't performing with the same enthusiasm they had started with. One of my biggest leadership mistakes that I made was uh, I bragged for years, that for 38 years, I never had a single officer leave Remax headquarters for any other job that was being offered. And in reality, uh, some of them should have left. I should have fired some of them because sometimes when people stay too long, they get a sense of entitlement and it's, well, I don't have to do that work hard. And so that's a mistake. And Darren Hardy has a concept, be extraordinarily slow to hire and be very, very quick to fire. And he says, the first time you think about firing somebody, you probably should. And too many people will take the first one or two people that come in the door and say, God, I hope they can do the job and just hire them. 
Hiring slowly and making sure you've chosen the right person leads to better outcomes in both employee success and retention. But as the leader, it can be very difficult when employees quit or leave on bad terms. Often, the leader's instinct is to avoid confrontation or a difficult conversation. Here's my question for you. Do you really want to succeed? Do you really, really want to make this thing work? Because if you do, find out how to do it. And the easiest way to find out is ask the people that are leaving, would you be honest with me? Why'd you leave us? Sometimes they'll be honest. And they'll say, I don't like working here. Well, the commute's too long. I'm getting a $5,000 pay raise. And sometimes, well, I don't know. I just thought it was time for a change. So in other words, they're afraid to tell you. And the more of that you hear, the more you realize I'm not much of a leader. Growing as a leader is essential to building a strong team and business. Remax has had many team members who have worked with the company for years. Even today, Dave still has employees working for Area 15 who have been with him for decades. There's a reason for the success he's had in building teams. I spent a lot of time knowing who they were. Find out, are they married, husbands named, children? What are their personal interests? And uh, being able to communicate with them on that level. I think I'm the kind of guy that could go to the country club following the golf tournament handle myself in the country club and have a couple of cocktails and everybody think I'm a good guy. By the same token, I can go down here to Bud's Bar and I can go in in my cowboy boots and jeans and have a couple beers and a, a cheeseburger and talk to a rancher or a farmer or one of the bicycle games. I am truly interested in people. I'm fascinated with people and I'm fascinated with finding out what makes them tick and what will they respond to. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. To find more episodes of the show and learn more about Dave and his story of ambition and grit, visit ambitionandgrit.com. And if you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, remember, everything in life worth having takes a little ambition and grit. Ambition and Grit.